BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 9. First and foremost, a huge thank you to everyone who reached out following last week's episode, A Spirit's Anger. Now unbelievably, we've had three separate people get in touch to say they've all had nightmares about one thing in particular. And it's not what you'd expect. It's not about the ghosts that seem to inhabit the house. It's about the artist's shed. Now, I'm unsure exactly what part of the description of the shed set so many people off in that way, but apparently it did. And if anything, it shows that we all have our own triggers when it comes to the paranormal. On today's True Paranormal Experience, we hear from one of our listeners about what happens when you're challenged on your beliefs. How sometimes a family inheritance can be much darker than a house or money. And perhaps most pressingly with this experience, we learn what it's like to live day in, day out, over a prolonged period of years with a paranormal disturbance. However, before we reach today's truly thought-provoking tale, we of course need to thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only do you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, you can also receive exclusive access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is released each and every Sunday without fail, even on the downtime between seasons of The Dark Paranormal, where for 30 minutes each week we take a look at some of the shorter true paranormal experiences that we receive here on the show. And with over 30 hours worth of unheard stories over there, now is the perfect time to head over. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal, just like these wonderful new team members have. <laughs> 
Meredith Hinton, Julia Losey, Hamil Khan, Dale Russell, Julia Ason, Stephanie Pearson, April Loza, Ashley McGeechy, Lisa Proudfoot, Alicia Seal, Shane Healy, Roger Slightum, Babette Hunt, Joanna Emmett, Paula Massey, Matt Osborne, Brianna LeBlanc, Danita Kelly, Claire McInnes, Rosie Wright, Amanda, Mary Malcolm Sanders, Claire Thompson, Rachel Fairburn, B. Navarro, Bethany Grace Woodward, Samantha Sanford, Kyle Rees, Alexander Eckberg and Faith Brunk. A huge thank you and welcome to all of our newest team members. I hope you enjoy all the ad-free early releases and, of course, all of those extra Dark Bites episodes. But right now, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about a generational haunting. My name is Bethany. And I'm here to tell you about the haunting that's been plaguing me since I was a child. I feel like I should start by saying I don't believe I'm a clairvoyant of any kind. But I do seem to be sensitive to the things around me. And I always look for a rational reason for something that's happening. The wind blowing, the house settling, a trick of the light. As a little girl... My insomnia started very young, like two years old. I was awake all night whilst everyone else slept. I remember telling my mum that the house felt full in the darkness of the night. It felt like all the adults were in the kitchen and in the living room and I could hear them walking around in bare feet. When I was roughly ten... My mum and I went to my uncle's house to go through her mum's things. My grandmother had passed away when I was four. I remember looking at this box and being filled with dread and a little sadness. When I opened the box, it was full of different pads of paper. I picked up the top one, a large construction paper pad and immediately felt like I was carrying the full weight of someone's sorrow. I looked at my mum and said, What is this? My chest full of anxiety. She took it from me and the moment she did, I instantly felt better. But then she opened it and my heart sank. You see, my grandmother had written, I am happy. I am happy, over and over again. It covered top to bottom, side to side, front to back of every single page, of every single pad of paper and notebook, at least a hundred pages. My mum explained that my grandmother suffered from severe depression in a time when it wasn't treated properly or taken seriously. My grandmother truly believed if she wrote it down enough, she would feel it. I knew she didn't. I felt her sorrow, her betrayal. She poured all of her negative feelings into that paper, and it was saturated with it. I remember asking my mum if the feeling in the paper made her want to cry too, and she just gave me a strange look. I took that to mean I should never mention it again. I learned later on that when someone pours their emotions into an object, I can feel them. 
for that reason, I hate antique stores and second-hand stores. When I was 12, my family took a week-long vacation to Yellowstone. My brother was 15 at the time, and his best friend, let's call him Mike, and his mum were watching our house and checking on the dog. They would come by two or three times a day, check all the windows and doors every day, feed the dog, spend some time with him and call my parents to update them. Our dog at the time had bad separation anxiety. And so we kept all of the doors to the bedrooms closed so he didn't get access. We got home and Mike and his mum came by, gave us the keys and said the dog was fine and left. When I opened my door, I just about fainted. My entire room was destroyed. There were pools of blood in the closet. The mirrored doors were shattered. The mattress was skewed. Everything hung up on the walls was pulled down and broken. Curtains shredded. It was utter chaos. There were no feathers, fur, clothing, anything to suggest that the dog had somehow gotten in there. The dog had no injuries too. The window was locked from the inside and there was no blood trail leading out. My door was still shut and my dad checked the rest of the house. The doors locked and dead bolted. Windows locked from the inside. No broken windows. We called Mike's mum and she came back to the house. Her reaction was the most genuine, shocked and terrified I'd ever seen. She swore that they'd just been in my room the previous night to check the window was still locked and that everything was fine. It was at this time I noticed a giant handprint pressed into my bedsheet. Not bloody, but like when you make a bed with a tight sheet and then press your hand into it. My dad refused to call the police and have them investigate no matter how much I cried or begged. He firmly put it down to the dog chased some animal or something in here and ate it. Oh, okay. How did he shut the door behind him then? I stayed in that room for another two years and more strange occurrences happened. I had a boombox, which was popular in the early 2000s, and I was listening to a radio station. The song was an ACDC song that I knew by heart when the radio cut out. I thought it was weird and I walked over to turn it back on. Right as I got to the power button, it cut back on. In the exact same place in the song. Again, this was a radio station. Not a CD, not an iPod or anything like that. All of our lights and our fans were on remotes and I would hear my remote click and the light would turn on or off. I had a curio cabinet where I kept my grandma's handmade beaded medicine bags and two of them would swing in opposite directions so hard they would smack the glass. I would watch for a while and then they would come to a complete stop. Then there were the nightmares. I had nightmares of a nine-foot black figure standing in the corner of my room he would walk across the room, more goat-like than human, 
and drag his nails down my legs. Every time, I would wake up to find scratches on my shins and calves. I never mentioned this to my parents because they would have brushed it off. My dad wouldn't believe it and my mum was ultra-religious. I even tried to convince myself that I scratched myself in my sleep. On occasion, I would wake up standing in my room, facing the corner where the figure would stand, and speaking German. I knew I was speaking German. I'd taken some German, but in no way was I fluent or proficient. As I would drift off to sleep, my bed would shake, almost imperceptibly. I had no frame, it was just a mattress on the box spring on the floor. And then, I started hearing my name being called, always as I drifted off. I could even feel the breath on my ear. It would start off softly, and then get sharp and stern. Bethany. When I finally told my mum, she said, maybe it's Jesus. I told her I didn't think Jesus was supposed to be terrifying. I finally moved into another room when I was 15, and it felt safer. However, the new bedroom faced the old one, and if my door was open, our pets would sit in my doorway and stare into the far corner of the old room. It would happen all the time. But one time in particular, I'd been folding laundry, and I realised I was standing there, staring into the corner of that room for two hours, still holding the same shirt. I would see shadow figures, and so did my friends. Once, I had friends over when my parents were gone and the dog wanted to go to bed. He was a Labrador and would whine until you tucked him in. He and I headed to my parents' room and it was pitch black. Usually, there was some kind of light from the alarm clocks or the thing for the pool or spa that was on the wall. This time, it was simply a black void. I reached into the darkness to switch on the light, and nothing. The dog suddenly got low, started growling, all his hair started to come up on his back. He inched into the blackness, completely disappearing since he was ink black himself. I felt the goosebumps rise on my left side, and about halfway into the blackness, he yelped. His body lifted from the middle as if he'd been kicked and he turned and ran from the room. I simply turned and walked back to my friends and said I was just going to tuck him in with us. My entire teen years, I always felt as if someone was standing just behind my left shoulder. Sometimes, when they would move closer, I would get goosebumps on my left arm, the left side of my face and scalp and my left leg. My brother would tease me about the ghosts in the house. Once he took it too far and left me in tears, humiliated. That night I went to sleep around 8pm, which was unusual for me, and I woke up between 3 and 4am. I noticed all of the lights were on in the house, so I got up to investigate. When I reached the den... 
I found my brother. He was sitting on the couch with his hands folded, pale white and terrified. When he saw me, he shouted, Which one of your fucking friends are here? I said, None. I fell asleep around eight. Why? He then told me his story. I woke up and someone tall was standing in my doorway, but it was totally black, so I couldn't see who it was. And they turned and ran down the hallway. I thought it was one of your friends fucking with me, so I chased them out the den. I watched them run into the den. I watched them do it. I got in here like five seconds after them, and there was no one here. Our den had two doors. One led to the kitchen where my brother had come from, and one into the garage. Now, the one into the garage was very loud. There was no way to actually open it without popping and sticking the door. If they'd ran out into the garage, he would have certainly both heard the door and seen it closing. I just looked at him and mocked him. About the ghosts in the house. He told me to never mention it again. But he also never teased me again. When I moved out at 19, everything seemed to calm down. Except my bodyguard. When I was 21, I lived in Vegas and had a rare day off. I was just driving in circles for something to do and passed the same psychic three times before I decided, fuck it. I made it almost all the way through the doorway before she threw her hands up and said, do not bring that thing into my shop. I just stared and said, what thing? Honey, you have a light pink, almost white aura with a dark grey, almost black spot over your left shoulder. Someone, it probably could be you, played with a Ouija board and opened a door and now something's attached to you. I assured her I'd never played with a Ouija board. She got silent for a moment before saying, Ah, your grandmother... She opened the door, and that thing has moved from her to you. And and how do I get rid of this thing? I asked in vain, as she physically shooed me out of the shop. She told me she couldn't help me and she wouldn't risk me bringing it in any further to her shop. I left more angry than confused. I felt cursed. It wasn't long after this encounter that things started happening at work. Now, I work in geriatrics. I have for over a decade, and at this time I worked at an assisted living facility as a med tech and overnight shift lead. We'd all heard of the kids. Everyone had an experience of a resident calling and saying the kids were trying to pour hot oil on them or jumping on their bed whilst they were trying to sleep, or pushing them in the shower. The thing is, when the kids showed up, we knew someone would pass away, within three days, and it would never be the resident that was being tormented. One night, a resident called and told me a woman in white had been to visit her. 
they'd said their neighbour would be okay soon. Her neighbour apparently had been crying and upset all day. The next morning, she suffered a massive heart attack and passed in the hospital. That night as I moved through the building, only the wall sconces were lit, creating dark shadowy pockets in the common areas. I passed one common area and knew it was empty, but in my head, I saw what seemed like a memory. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. A memory of a woman in a white nightgown, with an I'm losing my patience smile, and her hands folded. The nightgown was a little old-fashioned, but nothing new for an assisted living facility. It had a thin satin white ribbon laced through the neckline and through the cuffs, with long, loose sleeves. I skidded to a stop and stared at the table I thought that I saw her at, and it was empty. The next morning, as I was counting out my narc drawer, I asked the med tech taking over if the other resident had mentioned the woman in white to her. She smiled and said, Oh, yes, that's Mrs Smith. She was a resident here for many years. I asked if she used to sit at a certain common room table in her nightgown, and the tech said, Yeah, how do you know that? She would sit there and wait for us to check her blood sugar every night. This resident had passed five years before I started working there. Many times during my employment there, residents would get severely injured after the woman in white had shown up and told them, it's time to give your room back. One night, one of the sweetest little old ladies told me that she broke eight of her ribs when she fell getting out of bed. She'd returned from a stay in the hospital that morning and said that the woman in white had visited her and told her she must give the room back. I got so mad. I told her she could keep that room as long as she wanted and if the lady in white came back to tell her otherwise, she should come and talk directly to me. That night, I heard another resident who talked in his sleep all the time having a very loud argument. Curiosity got the better of me, so I took everything out of my pocket and took my shoes off. So I was only in socks and started creeping down the hallway. There was no way he could have seen me, and he was mostly deaf, so he definitely didn't hear me. When I was about ten feet from his door to eavesdrop, he said... Clear as day. Well, why don't you ask her yourself? She's coming down the hall right now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I ran, and I mean ran, back to the nurse's station. And I called another co-worker onto the unit. The damn sink in the common room turned on by itself in front of me and my co-worker about five minutes later. Right after that, the fire doors started slamming open and closed, 
without setting the alarm off. Once it all calmed down, I made my rounds to check on my residence, and my little lady with the broken ribs was awake. She asked if I'd talk to the lady in white because she'd told her exactly what I'd said, and she seemed mad. I told her I took care of it, and she was staying in that room for as long as she needed to. No one would make her leave, not even an angry lady, all in white. Another time, a resident passed away suddenly after a short trip to the ER, when he had a fall. We found him at the edge of his bed just after our shift started, already in rigour. He was still sitting up, his fingers jammed in between the mattress and the box spring. When the coroner arrived, she shooed us from the room to take pictures and came back out to ask for our assistance. Since I was the shift lead, I said I would do it, and I walked in to find him covered in ants. Black ants. Head to toe, in his eyes, in his nose, his ears, his mouth, everywhere. I stared dumbfounded at the coroner, who said one minute they weren't there, and the next they were swarming. It's an image I'll never forget. I'll also never forget the feeling of being swarmed by those ants as I turned his body for her to take the photos of his back. We were so used to people dying on hospice, when we found him, we laid him on his back. Before we remembered he wasn't hospice and we technically couldn't touch him. Over the years, the presence has diminished and weird things have all but stopped. Until this year... I am now 30 and living with my husband. We just got married and weird things have started happening again. And my shadow feels like it's lurking ever closer. The other day, me and my dogs went for a walk. When we returned home, I went to open the front door and... It sounded as if a man was screaming at me through the door. Not words... Just an angry noise. Even the dogs reacted. I flung open the door and jumped backwards off the step. And there was no one there. The dogs have reacted to something I can't see several times. And this thing has mimicked my husband on at least three occasions. His voice twice and his body once. One night I was home alone and me and the dog had the garage door open into the kitchen. He jumped off the bed and ran to greet my husband as I shouted, Hi honey. It was around midnight and although I didn't know when he would be home, I knew that had to be him since the doors to get to that door were locked. But there was silence. The dog skidded to a halt in the hallway and was on high alert. I got no response so I went to investigate and found nothing. Nothing except the goosebumps creeping up the side of my face. I ran back to bed and waited up until my husband got home about two hours later. This happened three times. The house my husband and I own was actually rented previously by my best friend and her cousin. She rented it before I even knew her, and after we purchased it, I started telling her about the weird things happening and she told me about her experience. She said, 
The back door would open on its own. It's a sliding glass door. She would hear taps and knocks on the walls in the guest room. She had saged the house many times, but eventually moved out because she couldn't stand it anymore. I recently had a friend dog sit and I made up the guest room, my best friend's old room. I came home to find her sleeping on the couch. She dog sat three times before finally telling me she felt so unsettled, almost watched, in that guest room that she always slept on the couch. I had never told her about mine or my best friend's weird happenings before this. Even now, as I sit in my office, also that same guest room, I too can feel a presence standing in the doorway, watching me type. It's the middle of the day and the blinds are open, but I feel like I should run outside. I thought I was done writing this. I've been sitting on it for over a week. The only person I've ever divulged the extent of my haunting to is my best friend. I don't know if I want to share this, but the activity is picking up and following me outside of my home. My best friend Dee and her family rented an Airbnb in my town. She lives about an hour away with her husband and son, and her parents live about two hours away. They rented a mansion, a tacky gothic mansion, since the lady had a deal going on. I'm talking black walls, schools everywhere, alligator skin paper, an almost bondage sex room, in an Airbnb. Now, don't get me wrong, I love black, I love gothic, but there's a beautiful way to do it, and uh, I found this at Spirit Halloween way to do it. The house had five bedrooms upstairs and one bedroom with a bathroom and a games room downstairs. My friend and her husband stayed in the downstairs room. The last night they were there, Dee and I were there alone with my one-year-old nephew. I was getting ready to watch TV downstairs and she was getting one of the kids dressed in the room eight feet away. That's when I heard a loud thump in the ceiling above me. It was directly above me. I snapped my head up to look and then immediately walked to the room where Dee was. I found her looking confused and a little scared. She pushed the bed with her leg. Was that the noise? Because I accidentally might have nudged the bed. I simply shook my head. It was right above me, in the living room. Dee mentioned how windy it was outside and maybe it was some of the outside furniture. We both knew it wasn't. But in an effort to make ourselves feel better, we moved through the backyard and the house, moving furniture, trying to replicate the sound, avoiding the living room. I don't necessarily agree with organised religion. I believe there is something more, but I don't believe in the concept of an organised religion. I have my reasons and they are personal. But I also don't believe religious symbols should be used sacrilegiously. But this house had a black cross above the fireplace, with red paint dripped on it to look like blood, and an eight-foot goddess totem in the corner, painted all black, with red paint dipped so it looked like she was crying blood. Never should anyone keep symbols like this in their home unless they know exactly what they're invoking. 
we finally knew we had to go into the living room. And there, in the corner, was that goddess. Right over the spot where we heard that thump. We walked over and moved the statue, and it was the exact sound we'd both heard. I looked at Dee and told her that I thought I'd brought my friend with me. She simply said, Fuck, dude. Right about that time, I had the overwhelming sense someone or something was in that bondage room. I started walking that way, and Dee told me not to go into the room, that even she thought it was in there. She couldn't know where I was going. The stairs to go down to her room were right by that room. So was a bathroom and two other bedrooms. But I had to. I threw the door open and we looked at each other. It smelt like something was smoking. Dee said it smelt like burning sage, but I didn't smell sage. I just smelt burning. I knew my friend was behind the window curtain in the corner. It was moving slightly, like someone was breathing behind it. Dee grabbed my arm and we left, shutting the door firmly behind us. This was three days ago, and I still don't know what to make of it. I do feel like I should mention that I do have a mental illness. Schizoaffective bipolar type. This means I do hallucinate. I've spent years managing my illness, so believe me, I know what's a hallucination and what isn't. My hallucinations are solid and in front of me. I see them with my eyes. The paranormal things I see in my head. Like I'm thinking of a memory, and that's what they become. A memory burned into my psyche. I've been on antipsychotics and stopped the hallucinations. In case anyone's wondering what they were like... They were like little pen-sketched demons that started telling me to set myself on fire to begin anew. Like I'm some kind of fucking phoenix rising from the ashes. I knew these weren't real. I knew they were hallucinations. Even though I could see them solidly in front of me and hear them talking. I knew they were symptoms of my illness. But these other things, they can't be hallucinations. Not when my dogs react to the same sounds I hear. When my friends react to the same bumps and knocks. When my husband has a dog bone thrown at his feet from under his truck. A dog bone that our dog promptly snapped up and walked happily away with. It can't be a hallucination when I mention casually to Dee that I saw a dark shadow figure at the end of the hall watching over her son's room. And she immediately responds with, My son and I have seen him several times. My son actually saw him first, but was afraid to tell me, because he was worried I'd think he was crazy. It can't be my illness when my mum has seen it too. Once, when I was 12 or 13, we were in the kitchen, middle of the day, just talking. All of a sudden, we hear a loud crash from the dining room. A three-bottle wine stand that sat in the middle of our 12-person dining table was across the room. 
the bottles smashed all around it. There was no way that could have happened from it falling over, even if it was pushed over. The table was huge, and the entire rack was at least five feet from the table, right under a picture of Jesus my mum had hanging on the wall. Jesus holding a lamb and looking content, with this dark red wine shattered and pooling beneath him, splattered on the wall, dripping from the picture. We scrambled to clean it up, and then decided to go to Target until my dad got home. I said this was a generational haunting, and I know I'm right, but I just don't know who to blame. The psychic said it was my grandmother, but I wonder if it was actually my dad. I've said before he doesn't believe, but we had one conversation, and one only, about the paranormal in my entire life. It was this. Bethany, I played with a Ouija board one time in my friend's basement back in Michigan, and I'm telling you now, if I ever find out you've brought one into this house, well, you'll no longer have a house to live in. He said this to me with a stern mask on his face, but I recognised the fear in his eyes. I was 13, showing an interest in the occult and all things dark and gothic. I told him I'd watched a show where they were playing a Ouija board, and I wanted to try one. Now I didn't. If it was enough to make my dad afraid and threaten to kick me out at 13, it was something I absolutely wanted zero part of. I promised him I wouldn't, and he visibly relaxed. It's been 17 years, and he refuses to tell me any more about it, or even entertain the conversation of the paranormal. He drops an iron curtain on the conversation, and leaves the room entirely. I don't bring it up anymore, but what if it's him? What if he's had a haunting of his own, nine foot tall, standing in the corner, leaving scratches on his body? I wonder if he'll ever tell me the extent of his experiences growing up in the Michigan cornfields. Did it attach to me because of my mental illness? I don't have any answers. I don't know if I ever will. I still don't know if I'm going to send this in. I haven't included all of my experiences. There are just too many to name. Some smaller than others. But for several years there was almost daily activity. And being this open and honest has been somewhat cathartic. My church youth group leader dropped me off at home once and then called me right after to ask if I was okay, since a dark shadow of a man had followed me up the hall and he witnessed it all from his car. I was the only person awake. The more I write, the more these unsettling memories come flooding back. Memories I had put in a little box up on the shelf a long time ago. I need to close that box now, before I become consumed by the oppressive uneasiness and fear that accompanies it. Wow, Bethany, thank you so much for submitting your true paranormal experience. And thinking about it, it would seem to make perfect sense. 
We often talk about psychic gifts being handed down from generation to generation. A psychic grandmother, a psychic mother, a psychic child. So therefore, why should it not be the case that some evil attachment can also be passed on? It's certainly some paranormal food for thought. So that brings us to the end of another episode of The Dark Paranormal. Don't forget you can find us on Facebook at The Dark Paranormal and Instagram at The Dark Paranormal also. We've also started a YouTube channel. There should be two videos up for you to watch right now. And that again is at The Dark Paranormal. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you on Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll speak to you here next week for episode 6 of season 9. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll catch you here next week on The Dark Paranormal. <laughs>